the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Anytime we hit a controversy, the natural inclination for most of us is to just turn and walk away. We don't like controversies. We, we pretend they don't exist. The burden of addressing controversies. That's coming up next. The Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan online at grace-bible.com. Hi there and welcome. We continue our series, Arise, Move, and Go. We've been spending some time in Exodus and today we begin a look at part 19 of our series called Judge Righteous Judgment. We're in Exodus 18 verses 13 through 27 as we see the folks coming to Moses for wise counsel. And we see Moses turning in the right direction, not away from the controversies, but right back to God to find the wise counsel he needed. There's a lot of insight here. Let's catch up with Pastor Jesse today as we take a look at this insight together on Way of Grace. You will turn back in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 18. Uh, as we move to that very monumental affair in Exodus 19 and 20, which has defined our world, by the way. It has defined our world because God has entered into humanity as he does, and he has swept us up into his story as he has. And he has brought a lot of people closer to him, as he also does, called his people, whether the Old Testament or the New. God has always had a people to the glory of his praise that has been his representative on earth. And that's really what's about to happen here. If I might frame it more properly, what you and I are looking at in this portion of scripture is a theocratic government being established. It's a theocratic government. And some of you've heard me develop these terms. A theocratic government is a God-ordained government where the hierarchy of authority is God. That's a theocratic government, not a democratic government, a theocratic government. A democratic government is where man rules exclusively. And that's always going to be the parody and conflict in our world where man will seek to take the government over God and exclude God from the central organizing principle role of giving us ultimate governance. And when you follow the way the word of God lays out God's entrance into the world, his participation in and mutual reciprocation of his own people, they end up becoming for God a kind of quasi legislative branch. 
So our government, and I won't be on this long because this is not about our government, but our government is built partially on a biblical paradigm when you understand the nature of the three branches of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial uh, branches of government. They do come out of scripture. And here we have a people who are over a million people in number somewhere around one 1.3 to 1.5 million people who are going to now move into another level of conformity to Christ. Remember, these are the slaves who have come out of Egypt and they have come out under the benevolent rule and deliverance and authority of the great, true and living God. As God has been moving them along his history of which they are now participants, they are learning who God is. And they are learning who they are. And something has occurred now after about eight events, eight uh, encampments, as we know. Something remarkable is occurring. If you were to listen to the text carefully, you will discover that these people are no longer complaining and murmuring and bickering. They're actually seeking the will of God. That's what the text said. Now, we're getting ready to get into that in terms of Moses being instructed, but certainly what Moses has told his father-in-law when his father-in-law asked him, what are you doing? He says in verse 15, and Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come unto me to inquire of God. That is transformational. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it because that is not what is happening in my nation. That is not what is happening in my world. In my world, the nation as an aggregate whole coming to the leadership and asking the leadership to help give us guidance in terms of God's will in our life. We must, somebody must have took the, put a, added a page in this Bible that wasn't supposed to be there compared to what happened just in the previous chapter, right? But you see, God is a good God and he knows how to take you and I, rebel sinners who are used to being our own autocratic, divine uh, demigod. And he knows how to change our lives so that we're not operating out of a horizontal dilemma, but get that thing turned right side up to where a, a vertical uh, perspective and understanding that we need God can come into the equation. And now all of a sudden these people are asking about Jehovah. This will teach you something about being patient with uh, new converts, won't it? It'll, it'll teach you. See, because really what I'm giving you is the model of God is Abba right now. He's Abba Father. He has a son he has brought out. He's training his son. And they went through eight events. They're in the ninth event. Y'all keeping up with me now? They're in the ninth event. Call my son out of Egypt, Exodus chapter three. We know that. So God has already looked at Israel as a, as a young son, has he not? And he's training his son on how to be righteous. Does that make sense? When we use the word son, ladies, you know, we're not using it in the gender form. We're using it in the classical form. His child, his firstborn, men and women. They are coming to learn that they are no longer a set of slaves under the dictatorial government of a pagan demigod called Pharaoh. They're coming to learn now that they can actually have a conversation with God and find out what God wants for their life. Remarkable. 
Even if you don't see it, I'm going to let you know it's remarkable. Because when we raise our kids, if I carry the parallel through quickly, when we're raising our kids, most of us know our kids do not know Jesus when they're first born and young. And even though they rattle off at the mile, oh, how I love Jesus, that we know they're not born again. We know they're not born again. We know that a radical conversion must take place of which they come to a personal conviction of their desperate state as a sinner. See, you can play church and you can go, oh, how I love Jesus. But once you're born again, you know why you should love Jesus. Right. And so we're praying for the conversion of our sons and daughters so that they no longer have to live on the fumes of mom and daddy's faith. Because that was Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That was the 12 tribes, as you guys know. But here we have a beautiful developmental process of the excursion of Father God bringing his children now to a place where as a whole group, they are starting to call on God. And when we see our kids go through trouble, our young kids, our teenagers, often it's in the teenage years where they lose their mind and start thinking they know everything on the planet. And if they don't know anything at all, they always know more than you, mama and daddy. They know more than you. I did it. You did it. We all did it. That's part of the um, lack of decorum for breaking the umbilical cord, because you got to break that cord and you got to leave. But we end up finding reasons to get mad at mom and daddy so we can leave, you know, with some fury. The reality is, is that we're we're as as parents who really know what salvation is. We're praying that God changes their heart that he gives them a revelation of his glory so that their heart is committed to God, compatible with his will, and we'll know it. Do you know how we'll know it? They'll start inquiring about God more sincerely. You won't have to always drag them to church. Now, you got to do that early on. God's dragging Israel to church every week. He's teaching them how to worship the God that provides from heaven, that provides from the earth, that provides out of the earth. He gives them manna. He gives them water out of the rock. He gives them hot chicken. I told you that flying from the west. He feeds them well because our God provides for us. This is why Jesus said, when you pray, pray our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And then we are to ask him for what we need. At the top of the list is forgiveness and the rest of it is provision and then protection. Y'all got that? Provision, protection. This is the model of a, a biblical man. He provides, he, he, he protects and he procures. That's God for us. So Israel is learning here on how to become a theocratic governed society of ex-slaves. And the next model is what I would call the legislative model. And I want you to take it in. We'll work this through as we enter into the constitutional format in chapter 20. This is what we would call a representative republic. A representative republic. This is the part we're going to get into in the nuances. This is the problem that Moses was helped with by his his father-in-law, Jethro. Because Moses had actually entered into a space where it began to dawn on him that he's in the stead of God, in the place of God with these people. Now, I really want to make sure this comes home because for a long time now, Moses is dealing with a bunch of crazy people. He don't know. Y'all know that, right? And they, they remember last week, they about to stone me, Lord. 
the week before last. They about to stone me to death. And so he's in this kind of ambivalent space between God and the people. And he's not sure that he really is up to this job. Now, all of a sudden, guess what he's doing? He's taking the role on of being a kind of father type for God in the stead of God to God's children. Did y'all get that? A lot of transformation has occurred over these nine encampments, has it? This is where we have to be patient to train them up in the fear and the nurture of the Lord and just wait for that revelation to come. Because it's here now in the framing. It's here now in the framing. Israel two chapters ago, Israel three encampments ago, were not ready for what's about to take place. What's about to take place is God is about to give them his constitution, his bylaws of government. He's going to lay out the Ten Commandments, which are an adumbration of the whole will of God for his people. They are about to enter into covenant with the one true and living God and be for God what God told them they would be. They would be a nation of priests and kings to model for the world how a government that is truly operating under God should be. I want you to get it. I know you had a bunch of food in your belly and you're going to be fighting against the preaching. I want you to get it. So what your Bible is teaching you is what a world of human beings who really submit to the government of God could possibly be. What it means to have a relationship with God at the level of millions of people And now what we're about to be taught is how those millions of people will actually be brought into the process of government at a stratification of local government parties all the way up, tearing all the way up to God. Did that make some sense? As is the case in our own country. You and I are constantly becoming very much aware of the stratification of authority in our country at the level of judges, at the level of legislature, and at the level of the presidency. Are we not? God is the president here. God is the president. And he didn't get voted in. He came with the position. I'm the president. Right? And I'm actually lowering the the actual designation. I'm doing it to make an application to you and me because our presidents dare not even remotely pretend to be God. But they should be godly. And they're not. And so what we're looking at in our text, I want you to capture it because this this model that we're going to be talking about for the next 45 minutes will actually reduce itself down to any kind of system that is in need of government. For instance, this can apply to the home with the husband and the wife and the children. Did y'all get that? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I could easily make the case for that. Um, y'all, I, don't, I don't necessarily re- recommend y'all having 10 kids, but in this system, the minimum is 10. Did y'all get that? Have rulers over 10. Have rulers over 10. Have rulers over hundreds and thousands. And they didn't go past thousands because in your Bible, the Kilia, the thousand, the, the myriad thousand is the biggest number you get. You get to multiply that by 10. But the thousand is as far as you go. And plus, Israel is only a nation of about a million and a half. Imagine California. Let's just use California as an example. If you're keeping up with me. How many of you guys know how many people are in California? You can't know. Because every day they pouring in by airplane and swimming and jumping fences and all that kind of stuff. Just, 
just helping you. The number, the ticketron is just ticking more and more. And if you ever see it read on a piece of documentation that the government gives to you, they're lying. It's more than the number they will give you. It's more than the number they will give you. See, now, governments actually is designed, governance is actually designed to uh, address the welfare of the totality of your life. Because every child you have per capita becomes a certain amount of economic liability. It's really true. You don't have a child in this world where the country knows you have that child and they don't already see that child is going to cost $40,000 a year. And as they get older, the numbers increase until they become themselves employable in the same uh, maintenance of the government that you have to have. Am I making some sense? And this is where husbands and wives and, and parents need to understand. You just can't be having a bunch of bunnies and stay broke. You got to know how to make some money to have them bunnies. Um, and, and Israel was prepared for that early on. If you recall, when God brought them out of Egypt, they're slaves. They don't think like rulers. And a lot of us are slaves. We don't think like rulers. And yet God has called us to rule. Let me just go ahead and strap that over into the New Testament. God has called us to be kings and priests and rule with Jesus Christ at his right hand even now. Am I making some sense? Right. He's called us to rule in every sphere and every dominion and every domain that God has given us, whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we have no children or 10 children or more. Our call is to understand our domain and influence and rule well by the grace of God over it. Every child of God, every child of God, you and I are called to reign with King Jesus. We are children of the king. We should know the Constitution. We should know the bylaws. We should know our gifts, our calling. We should know our power and our authority, and we should be walking in it. See what I'm getting at? So what God is doing right now is actually addressing what we might call the collective. And the collective is like any family. Like I said yesterday to us all, every family is a cult. Is that right? Every family is a cult because every family is uniquely carved out with its own unique characteristics that it cultivates among itself. And then the rest of the world gets to enjoy the beauty of that unique family. Well, the church of the living God is a cult. Didn't I tell you that? It is carved out of the world. A cult is something carved out of the world, cultivated for its own purpose, for everybody else to enjoy. God has a people that is his cult. And they are in the world to actually impact the world pervasively, and progressively. That's what Israel is being trained to do right now. You are keeping up with me. This is a remarkable day. This is a remarkable day. So now that you kind of have the big picture of what's going on, you see now that what's taking place is that we have a, uh, a government vision that's being established on the theocratic principle and a representative republic. A representative republic is always a legislative body of delegated authorities who come from the people to represent the people to God and God to the people. Did y'all get that? That's a representative uh, uh, government. That's a representative republic. A family is the same way. God help my people. So when you, when you end up getting married and start having children, mama and daddy, you stand before those children as a representative of God to the children and as a representative of the children to God. 
That's right. You know what that means? That means the children have every right to expect that you know what you're talking about. They get to they get to ask the hardest questions that humankind has ever been confronted with. They get to ask all of the difficult questions to mama and daddy, and they have every right to believe that mama and daddy, if they don't have the immediate answer, they have access to it. And the role of mom and daddy is to go get the right answer from God and bring it to the children so that the children know that they're not an accident. Let me calm down. Right, because I live in a world where children are an accident. They accidentally made it. Because what's going on is we're trying to kill them before they get here. This is the Exodus 2 narrative. This is why our elder was talking about lively midwives. I'll make that word apply here in a moment. It's a miracle that we make it in a in a culture of death system where technology has made abortion so easy that all you have to do is just swallow something and it's done. All right, and, th- and this is why we assert to those of you who enjoy the domestic privileges or the ontological and sociological imperative, you enjoy the sociological imperative, but the end of the sociological imperative is pregnancy. Did that make some sense? So you enjoy it, but you got to be ready to pay the bills. If somehow that child makes it through that slaughterhouse into the world, you got to give them 15 to 18 years of your best life of your best life. They didn't ask to come here. I keep saying that to us. Right. So you got to give it to them because in the context of you doing the best you can by the grace of God, these children have the potential of being a leader and either expanding and progressing the revelation or preserving the revelation that we presently have. Or, if you will, bringing salt and light to the corruption that we presently have. Any of the three will work if God is calling our our young people to be something of importance in our world. That's what we want for them. Is that not right? And so here in our context, let me begin to work through these very important points. They're very important. The first one is the burden of addressing controversies. The burden of addressing controversies. Now, I don't like controversies. Do you? I am not a drama king. I'm certainly not a queen, but I'm definitely not a drama king. I I have to deal with drama. Maybe I should have figured that out while I was having children, because having children is a drama-oriented task. But I don't particularly care for drama, but I have to manage drama. And whenever you're in a position of authority, you have to manage drama. Again, I'm bleeding over into our marriage class because we are so unclear on how to be aware of the scope of our responsibilities. Our job is management. Our job is not controlled. And what I love about what's going on in our text is it'll teach you that if you follow your Bible carefully, God is not constantly exercising control. He's engaging management. He's bringing team players to the forefront and say, can you manage that? I'll give you everything you need to manage it. Do y'all see it right here? Right. So I'm trying to help you. God is not so insecure in himself. He got to control everything. No. And you'll see that in the text. I love this because Moses made it very clear. The people are now coming to him about the hard questions and he's going to God 
and then he's going to bring the message back to a delegated authority so they can begin to negotiate the minutia and the uh, acute details of life on the ground with the people. Do you know what that means? That means everybody in this political structure that's being developed has to have a level of integrity and sincerity about making sure this thing functions. Did that come home? That means everybody has to be operating at the level of a vertical knowledge of God and that God would deposit to us when we follow the proper mechanisms what is necessary as policy and protocol to get along as a society. I mean, we could sit here for a long time and think through all of the kinds of questions that a bunch of slaves who have been moved out of a territory that they're used to for 430 years They're in the middle of the desert. They're in the middle of the desert in between where they were and where they're going. And they have to actually manage themselves as they make their way to glory. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 630 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.